Despite the implication of its name, the Lower East Wind District rarely receives a strong ocean breeze. This is a symptom of being built into the harbor cliffs of Port Peril and its protection from the Arcadian trade winds to the west by Crescent Harbor, whose docks and towering masts of ocean-bound trawlers protect the rest of the city from the worst Gazra could throw at. Across the bay, beggars hustled for coins and dinner scraps. Crewmen raced up the rigging of ships at anchor, shouting instructions to the ones on the deck below, and the sounds of a dozen daytime parties echoed across the water to the mainland, for even though it was broad daylight, the type of crewmen who claim Crescent Harbor their port of call tend to spend so much time at sea that any moment on dry land gives cause for celebration. But today, in the Lower East Wind District, on a day with just enough sun to burn the clouds away, a man stared out the window of his rented room, past the shutters long since stripped of their paint by the salt in the air. Feeling the breeze idle its way into his temporary lodgings, and the sun kiss his cheeks as he raised his head to ponder the blue expanse above him and the chaos below across the bay. He felt the burn of the salt air in his sinuses and slowly indulged in a languid, sun-soaked crack of his neck. Surrounded by remaining, battered expedition provisions and a small stack of books bought or lent from dozens of folks across the port with less interest in the occult than him, this man's gaze fell to a leather-bound journal on the desk before him a recounting and continued narration of his research and discoveries. The name on the journal, Atlas Reiner, colloquially known by some across the brine-soaked islands of the Shackles as the cold-blooded Corsair, isn't entirely unknown in these parts, and the leather tome beneath his quill, numbered Journal 13, contains a record of exploits and plunder, but also meticulous notes on ancient civilizations, lost cultures, and the magics of old both rumors and first-hand witnessed accounts of it alike. Atlas is a curious member of his species. Nagaji, or uplifted snakes, are not nearly as common as most humanoid ancestries on Galarian, but they're also not completely unheard of in the Shackles or across the continent of Garund, up against which the Loose Island Archipelago sits. Here at Port Peril, however, Atlas Reiner's figure tends to turn more heads than not, for there are common Nagaji, those which, at least at face value, share many distinctive features with the Serpent Folk of legend. Then there are their sacred cousins, the ones with the head and torso of a beautiful human, but the lower body of a more reptilian ancestor. The snake, to be precise. Though not truly blessed by the gods as their given moniker of sacred would suggest, the absence of traditional bipedal legs in favor of a long, muscular, serpentine tail is truly unusual among humanoid reptilian creatures. Oftentimes, such a figure is not even assumed to be Nagaji, but the byproduct of transmutation magic gone horribly awry, or the spawn of two unlikely mating partners whose offspring's parentally inherited features were bisected at their meridian. Even among so-called sacred Nagaji, though, Atlas is a standout specimen. With a chiseled upper frame, razor-sharp cheekbones, piercing gray eyes, and a jawline seemingly recently shaven, but whose razor can't seem to keep the stubble away for long. Today, on his upper frame, he wears a loose cotton shirt open at the neck, fashionable among seafaring beings, and a belt of curious pouches and research-assisting implements at his hip. Below that, however, his lower body is scaled in blues, greens, and purples, tracing a diamond pattern of cool tones from his waist to the tip of his tail. For those who know serpentine biology, 
There's no mistaking that this man's snake half was that of a snake made for swimming. Gulls scream down in the bay and a large bell, hoisted high on a ship's mast below, rings incessantly. Perhaps a call for sailors, reveling in a few more fleeting moments of shore leave before they must regain their sea legs, return to their vessel, and once again answer the longing call of the open salt air. Atlas tunes them all out, focuses the power of his mind onto his physical surroundings, and extends his hand into the open air towards the deeper recesses of his rented room, floating a modest pair of spectacles off the bedside table into his waiting grasp. Plucking the glasses from thin air and pushing them up closer to his eyes, Atlas picks up his quill, dips it in his ink pot, and opens Journal 13 on his desk to the next blank page. He presses the book's spine firmly but gently, causing the journal to lay flat. Holding it open with his left hand, he brings quill to paper and begins to transcribe his thoughts into thin, easily legible characters across the bound parchment. Atlas Reiner, Journal Entry 761. Hell is just a vert. Oftentimes, reality is so much worse. After months of slogging through the jungle, my expedition into the Mwangi is at a bitter and final end. For over a dozen weeks, the hired hands, my fellow explorers, and I trekked through the stinking, sticking mud, the vine-choked morasses of trees, and black humming clouds of flies and mosquitoes intent to suck you dry like the vampires of Ustalaf, but leave nothing behind but disease in your veins and holes in your arms. My fellow explorers proved to be lacking in every skill needed for intelligent, worthwhile conversation, so camp was largely an exercise in boredom and keeping the stinging insects away, while our local guides seemed to find themselves sinking into quicksand more often than they did guiding us toward anything worth finding. What trinkets and idols we found were of people long gone, yes, but not of those which had the answers I need. The locals and the tourists were looking for gold, but never did I reveal what I was looking for. The city of the Seven Spears, if such a city ever existed at all. The rumors of an expedition out of El Eder, spurned by ancient Sekhmen secrets, proved to be just that. And if such an expedition ever left that colonial southern capital at all, I imagine their bones now lay scattered on the rocks, sucked dry of the marrow, which probably now fuels the screaming primates which led to many a sleepless night for me. Was this expedition a disaster? To some, yes, especially those who did not return, for our number dwindled significantly since leaving Port Peril months ago. But to me, not quite so. I know now that if the Serpent Folk are proving this difficult to find in the jungle, perhaps it was not for surface-dwelling men to ever uncover their secrets. But I do mourn for the knowledge I may never have. Ancient historians write of lenses which the Sekhmen used to converse over great distances and focus their telepathic potential. Imagine how far a relic like that could propel my studies. Perhaps with the right calibration, such a device could be used to actually breach the pal. Could this be what I need? It is no matter. 
and I must focus on the research at hand. Perhaps I was wrong to turn my gaze to the interior, but it is now time to move my research elsewhere. Before he took his last steps into his sinkhole, one of my traveling companions, a member of the Aspis Consortium, confided in me his own desire to find the snake peoples of old. I suspect for reasons differing substantially from my own. He did say if he could not find what he was looking for under the verdant canopy of the Mwangi, perhaps the Cyclopses of the sea, whose Golgon Empire had its own encounters with the Sekmen, might hold treasures of that era. Curious. I had not thought on that angle. Now it appears to be my best lead. So it is on that note I pause my pursuits of the serpent folk and begin my quest to learn of the Golgan and see what they have buried from the Age of Serpents. I have heard their kind make excellent oracles as well. Beings of odd power and magics. Could it be that one of their kind recorded visions into this echoing pal? Could it be that one of their kind vent there? It is a mighty hopeful train of thought, but perhaps they know more than I suspected. Any number of ships in this harbor could take me out of this hellhole and back across the waves. I could easily join a crew and find my way into some Golgon ruins. They practically litter the shackles. One concern does give me pause, though. What is the other one up to? What is he scheming? Does he lie in wait for me to make my move? I fear I would have felt him expire if he had died, so he must be out there. Somewhere. Is he waiting for me? Or do we race to the same goal, laggard at a disadvantage when we inevitably meet again? Does he see the cracks in the universe like I do? Does he use them like I do? None I've met have shared this power, but we are linked in a way I cannot understand. Or I at least have not learned to understand yet. If he can crack and manipulate reality like I can, this endeavor becomes much more complicated. Perhaps it is not worth worrying about, but I must be ever vigilant ever on the move, ever looking to the horizon, because I won't go back. And my name is Atlas Reiner, the cold-blooded Corsair. It is mine. It is mine. It is mine. It is mine. His thoughts now transposed across the page, Atlas removes his spectacles, leans back, and stretches towards the ceiling, his serpentine tail uncoiling from around the chair and extending behind to stretch towards the floor. Today he will begin a new chapter, a new entry in the next blank pages of his journal. Perhaps the Cyclops of the Sea may hold the key to being rid of the other one's shadow, forever darkening the corners of his mind. But then again, perhaps not and he'll need to deal with the other one the old-fashioned way. This will be messy, but the shackles are a good place to commit undesirable work. 
using the finely tuned telekinetic power of his mind more than the dexterity of his hands. Atlas gathers up his coin purse from the dresser, tucks away his journal, and exits the room into the bustling common area of the inn. Focused on his next objective, Atlas slithers out into the bustle and squalor of the port town with an unreadable expression on his face, but burning determination behind his gray eyes. <laughs>